Hey everyone, this is Anish and my co-author Janet Fairfine. All right, and um, this has been an amazing process with our book, A New Paradigm Education of Education, and we're here to share. What are we talking about today? Well, I wanted to know a little bit about exactly. Anesh, what you do and what your chapter is about. Awesome. Okay. And then I'll, we'll get into you. So um, for those who don't know, my name is Anish and founder of the only experiential language immersion program, as far as I know, in the world called On The Spot <laughs> Language. Uh, and um, I've been a passionate edupreneur for the past 12 years. And it's been quite a journey leading up to that from a, being a tennis professional to being a multimedia specialist to living, living and teaching English abroad and having then taught locally here in, in Canada and then getting laid off to then me starting my own experiential language learning program. Um, and then over the last 12 years, we've made the city our classroom and the idea and the, the concept for this came from my experience of having done what all of our students do is step outside of their comfort zones of their, their, their country, of their jobs. I was burnt out and I took off to, to Taiwan where I was able to immerse myself in the culture and in the language. And really at 21, 22, really don't know who you are. You're just kind of figuring it out. And it was quite a journey um, from really wow. learning my numbers one to 10 on the airplane to then be in being in the actual top 10 of most interesting things that have ha that happened in Taiwan. Um, my life was featured as number 10. I mean, number seven in the top 10 countdown. And, you know, it was such an immersive, culturally woke experience that, you know, it really set the, the trajectory for the, the rest of my career and my life, um, which is how I ended up realizing that, wait a minute, my students in Toronto, why aren't they doing the same thing? And then I go, what if I could coach students to do what I did and, you know, make every stranger, you know, a new friend and be able wow. to really make the process of language learning fun. Wow. And that's what I've been dedicating my life for the past 12 years doing. And our students have had hundreds of thousands of conversations with strangers on the streets of Toronto. And this past February, I got asked by our leader in charge, Monique Sayers, to say, hey, Anish, I've never met anyone who's doing what you're doing in the field of you know, English as a second language. Uh -uh. putting together this book I don't know who all is going to be in it but would you be interested in being co-author uh, with possibly four or five or six and which ended up being eight um, other authors and um, I was like I never really done any writing or publishing but all right I'll give it a shot just share your journey share your story and and how this really this what you're doing is a new paradigm in your respective field and, and this idea of, of building human connection and, mm. and 
and really finding yourself through learning, which is what we tell our, you know, when our kids to do and nothing about you've achieved level nine and you know, you've achieved this score. It's, it's like, well, no, what skills have I learned? Yeah. What applicable skills and languages, language sentences or functional language phrases, how can I now functionally use that are, that enable and empower me to be a better person and, and start and continue conversations with other people. And, and that's really been what my whole program is about, just empowering learners to be, they become resilient, um, global citizens. And, um, and being a professional like yourself, who's actually been in ESL as well, I'm sure you could probably resonate and, and, and share some yeah. of your own. Why don't you share a little bit about your relationship with teaching and ESL, and then we'll jump into <laughs> your story. Okay, wow. Yes, I totally relate as you're talking. ESL is how I started off in my teaching career. I had a, a double major of English literature and then linguistics and ESL, kind of linguistics slash ESL. Yeah. Wow. So I first went back to the high school that I graduated from and taught literature there for two years. And then, you know, I had just this, what I really love and what I've always wanted is to use the ESL and to teach someone, you know, in some other culture who doesn't speak English and I wanted to teach Native Americans. So I applied with the Bureau of Indian Affairs and I was actually notified through a telegram. Like we don't even know what that is anymore. That's how long ago it was. But I had a delivered telegram, special delivery to my door saying, here's a position that we have for you teaching ESL to kindergarten first and second graders so whoa okay you know i'm teaching high school i don't know anything about this yet when you think of it like teaching esl goes all across the board so i had also at that time been the director of an esl center for adult education in the city of grand rapids michigan so I, you know, was already doing that, working with adults and kind of transferred that over when I took the position on the Navajo reservation. And unlike what you're saying, the immersion, the total immersion, which would be wonderful. Uh, and I, I think the curriculum, maybe the heart of that curriculum was the intent to immerse the students in the whole culture. But the effect of it, you'll find, you'll read in my chapter, is the way that it was presented was not really a total immersion, but I believe that was the intent of it, was to completely block out the other culture and create a, an assimilated culture of English in order to learn the language. But it was so structured, it was so regimented. 
and and so unnatural to me who you know really thrives on spontaneity and creativity in learning it was a challenge for me right. to operate under that kind of condition in that program and and especially i appreciate you you sharing that because and it, the intent is always was always there obviously and, and to, to have that immersive experience and it's interesting giving our context our learners are excited and want and have that intrinsic motivation of why they want to learn the language why they want to be abroad and and putting themselves out there and you know there are motivational reasons for what english guys are going to help them in their jobs or help them you know become confident travelers and and it's interesting what you're saying when you talk about you know the the indigenous or native americans and you know when we, especially in canada here it's a, it's a very big topic when we talk about residential yeah. schools uh -huh. and and how you know the culture and, and cultural genocide that had happened with that yeah. and the fact that statues are being taken down and you know they didn't necessarily want to learn the language they were forced yes yeah learn it and so i'm wondering what your thoughts are there i know we're getting a little oh, bit off yeah. track, but i mean i i don't believe they even understood at that young age and it was a residential setting it was a boarding school right. so they were brought there and dropped off and didn't know if they were getting picked up on the weekend or not. They were just there. Right. And, you know, again, it was, uh, I want you to read the chapter to mm. find out the ins and outs of it. So I'm I super excited. I haven't, as a co-author, I haven't it. read it yet. So I'm excited to read your chapter <laughs> about this. Yeah, and so, it's so contextual and relevant right now as well. Yeah. And I, I realized that, you know, that even in those days, the the structure of that program was a very much older paradigm of education so at that time that was in the 70s like the mid 70s wow. into the 80s so wow a new paradigm of education wasn't even on the radar right. for most people yet i was doing yoga in the classroom and trying to sneak in the Montessori centers and creativity wherever I could. And to see now that we have a book entitled A New Paradigm of Education is so exciting. For me, it's been a really long time coming. Yeah, for I appreciate you sharing that, um, especially given the context and the the time that you were doing what you were doing you know you were an out-of-the-box thinker at, at at that time and you've yeah. you know been able to carry that forth throughout your entire teaching career to the point where um why don't you share a little bit with what you're doing now and how it's kind of evolved mm -hmm. thank you thank you for connecting that uh, what I, you know, what I'm doing now is a whole new paradigm for me right. is putting all of this online That's it. and everything that I would normally have done face-to-face -face in the classroom, even though I have done online teaching for a number of years, mm -hmm. 
I still had the brick and mortar opportunities as well. So it sort of balanced that out. But now my entire coaching practice is sort of coaching, teaching. I don't really make a separation between the two because to me, teaching is coaching. It, it, it's not, I'm telling someone what to do and how to do it. It's a real organic, interactive process. So I, it I love that you shared is that. evolving. And it is evolving. And I wish almost there wasn't the, such a big distinction between teaching and coaching. But in my mind, in, in my field, there's still that teacher standing up in the front of the room, writing on the chalkboard. Here's <laughs> the task. Here's the homework. You do it. Everybody gets the same work. And, and I'm like, no, no. Each one of our learners are different, multiple intelligences. And they're all so unique and special and amazing. And they all learn so differently and how can i target each one of them the way that they will feel heard and and listen to and and be helped or coached in the way that will empower them which uh. is which is what you really can't do in a traditional teaching classroom but if certain coaching principles are either applied or, or used so i always say we can't blame the teachers or the some of the schools it really it comes down to the training is where the crux of a lot of the problems are. Mm -hmm. is if the training is evolves, then the teachers will, people who are becoming teachers will understand certain coaching principles and, and, mm -hmm. and pedagogy to enable them to be better teachers, which have co coaching principles, right? Yes, yes. I love that. And I have developed a coaching program for right. teachers. And I think a lot of it is unteaching and unlearning, untraining, taking that aspect out of it to allow the teachers to trust in their own yeah. spontaneity, their own uniqueness, so that they see that uniqueness in each of the students. And if a student, to me, whenever a student had a behavioral problem, I always look to, you know, well, where is their kind of natural flow? Mm. Where do they want to go? That's their kind of sole purpose that's yeah. leading them somewhere else. They're resisting and fighting this particular structure. Yeah, I really love that you... You shared that, and it's, it was not, it still is, but one of my biggest challenges is we run an eight week intensive immersion program, three mm -hmm. students to one language coach, and we spend half of those eight weeks on learning. Yes. And, and, and getting rid of all those bad habits that they've had a lifetime of learning and applying and doing, and, and how they've thought about learning English yeah. from a, a grammar and a test pointing, you know, perspective. And, and now they're like, what, what do you mean? I'm going to go outside and talk to a stranger. Right. In my culture, we don't even talk to strangers. Oh, that's so beautiful that you Let built alone, that in. Well, it's my entire program is every day. Yeah, don't get comfortable listening and talking to me. Get yeah. comfortable talking to every Tom, Dick and Harry outside. Mm -hmm. because that's 
the real language you need to be hearing. Because Janet and I speak in a certain way that we knew we know you can understand us. <laughs> but you get a student out on the street and they're like, where would I find the CN Towers? I'm like, oh, head straight and hang a left. Anish, what exactly does head mean? Oh, yeah. head just means go. What do you mean? What is exactly does hang? Why does it mean go? <laughs> right? You know, you're heading in that direction. We're heading there. We're heading in a certain, we're heading north. And like, but is that because you're facing that way? Is that why you're, anyway, yeah. like, but how can I hang a left? And then the next person they talk to, oh, just head straight and make a left. Anish, how can I make a left? How do you make <laughs> a left? And, and I go, and that's the difference between learning in a classroom and learning in real life. And wow. so so profound so well stated and and so imagine talking to a thousand strangers you know in eight weeks hmm. and and if we think about life as a series of lived experiences imagine all the experiences and memories and yeah. we always say your your best teacher is your last mistake right yeah but if you're constantly falling and falling and falling you almost get comfortable with failing and what a great skill that is yeah yeah that yeah. failure is really feedback you know take away that big red f at the top of the paper it's, it's you know a direction for us to go absolutely yeah. and my job I, is not I to constantly love correct. what you're doing appreciate it my job is not to constantly correct 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 but guide them support yeah. them on this yes. language journey oh um, so beautiful and in my chapter i share some of these stories um mm. like i know in 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 jen's chapters one powerful story and one connection with one student that she really shares and and how she's really brought that new paradigm and i've been able to share a few of the stories of our students and how with um this kind of program is really it's about transforming lives oh yes um, so good and, and that's what I'm all about. So, so rich. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Well, I have a funny story from what you were saying reminded me. I also taught while I was in Arizona when I moved away from the Indian reservation. Mm. I still wanted to teach ESL. And at the college level was an aeronautical university. They were looking for an ESL teacher to teach what they called aviation english so they had foreign students coming from all over the world at a college level to teach to learn aviation terminology so that was my job to do that for the summer and at one point i had a whole group of japanese male college students who had come from a Japanese, very famous business college. And they came to class in suits and shirts and ties. Right. Sure. That's... And they sat very, you know, upright and actually diagrammed my sentences as I spoke. And they would raise their hand and say, excuse me, you know, a preposition was used here because they knew the English, like you right. said, grammatically, mm -hmm. but they couldn't communicate it. 
And I'm thinking, you know, oh my gosh, here's here's me, and you're diagramming my sentences. Right. It, it doesn't make sense. So I wrote on the board in big letters, go with the flow, let go. They had it. no idea what that meant. Right. Part of the the work, the teaching was also to include some immersion. So half of the day was to go out on excursions. Oh. So I took them into a beautiful area of Sedona, Arizona. And there was a creek running through the beautiful Oak Creek Canyon. And they loosened those shirts and ties, and they were like little boys coming out of their shells, sort of speak. and going into the stream, and saying, "Ah, let go, go with the flow." They got it. Love it. <laughs> uh, you just really hit the nail on the head there in, in regards to you put it in context for them. You put mm -hmm. the sentence of you know, the flow, the river, you know, and when you're out in nature, in air, in your, in movement, and you have oxygen going to the brain and it's flowing, that's where the learn learning really happens. And when you can visually connect to a word or a phrase, it's yeah. so memorable. And it's almost like it, it gets stayed, it's tattooed in your brain. Oh, yeah. I love that. Um, and this is why we meet our students at different locations every single day in the program, because they connect a task or a language or a specific um, skill set that's associated with uh, a specific location or a historical fact. Mm. Um, we'll meet in front of the Royal York Hotel. And they're like, and they have to ask strangers, where would I find the Royal York Hotel? And they have to ask people, well, is this hotel named after anyone or anything? Well, wow. most people are like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> and then taught them the language to ask, oh, would you be able to look it up on your phone for me? Sorry, I just got in from Japan and everything's new for me. And they're like, uh, uh, okay. And they look it up and they're like, oh, well, um, Toronto used to be called York. Huh. Huh. So here, here are my students asking these questions, but indirectly teaching the native English speaker or the Canadian at the same time. At the same time. So they're yeah. both learning, right? Yeah. And they say, oh, Toronto used to be called York. Well, why did it used to be called York? Well, Canada used to be a British colony. And they're like, well, what exactly does British colony mean? So we've in, we've taught them how to elicit and, and ask for clarification. This is the biggest uh -huh. week one foundations, like asking for clarification. If you don't know, ask, could you please hit that again? Could you please write that down? Could you please look it up? You know, could you please <laughs> give me another example? So yeah. They're like, oh, well, Canada became independent from Britain in 1867. Um, and at the time, uh, Toronto was initially called Takaronto, mm. an indigenous word, but oh. then it was changed to York and then it was changed to Toronto. Huh. Um, and then York is also uh, one of the 48 uh, counties, ceremonial counties in England, mm. uh, Yorkshire. Oh, right? yeah. 
and Yorkshire is the largest county. And they're like, they're getting all this learning from just meeting at the hotel. But guess who they got the learning from? Themselves. Every stranger. Asking the questions. Yeah. Every stranger. They, so they've learned how to make every stranger their new teacher. Ah. Uh. Which means they didn't really need me. So we're Correct. building autonomous learners. So yeah. if we're teaching you how to learn, isn't that uh -huh. the most important skill anyone can learn is teaching them how to learn? How? Yes. So to develop their own critical thinking skills, you can teach critical thinking, or if you know Bloom's taxonomy, exactly I love it. that. Yeah, that's exactly it. You know, that I, I when we're applying that. it, that's when we're learning and then synthesizing it, creating it beyond ourselves. And yeah. I love that so, you have the background in linguistics and you get my whole world and everything I'm talking about. It feels so good. Uh, <laughs> I, I still I love linguistics and it came up for me today. It was or I don't know, this week, we were kind of talking between ourselves of right. like a kind heart, a hard heart, an mm. embittered heart, a brave heart, like all the ways that the heart right. is described with words. And where did those come from? So I'm really interested still that. in that etymology of the word, like how did that phrase develop? Like you're saying the right. Royal York. What does that mean? And What's the deeper meaning? And it always comes with an image. And I think one thing that we have in common, which most educators possibly do, is that innate curiosity, that infectious, infectious, and what's the word? Infectious, yeah, insatiable. Insatiable curiosity. And, and as adults, yeah. And adults tend to lose that as they get older because yeah. all these barriers and walls and societal constraints and we're put in these boxes and we're taught not to ask this, 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 and this. But so when, that's part of the unlearning of our program is they're like, oh, I can ask this person this. I'm allowed to ask this person this. I don't know. Yeah. So what's, in, what's the harm in asking the question? And if people reject you, which a lot of people do in our program, uh, mm -hmm. Get out of my face, you stupid. Mm, I don't want to talk to you. Mm. Wow. Do you know what? Just smile and say, you know, what? oh, you can't help. That's okay. Thanks. Anyway, let's, let's beat them with gratitude. Yes. Yeah. And what do they develop? They develop thick skin. They learn to resilience. deal with rejection. Rejection. Yeah. They learn resilience and grit, which is something these days really, you know, everyone gets an award kind of, you know. Uh, yeah, and that's what we uh, teach in coaching: how to develop resilience, how to have that grit, how to how to handle someone rejecting mm -hmm. me, you, and and accept ourselves, accept our own vulnerability. Absolutely. Yeah, and to have that childlike curiosity, mm. to me, to uh, instill that in a child or a learner at any age is the key to learning because we want that to come from within, that inner locus of Absolutely. learning. Yeah. That's it. Um, one Thank final you. question. Wow. I know there's one more thing. What, what, what are the next? What's the next stage? What's the next evolution for Miss Janet Verifine? And and you know, 
having shared your chapter what what are the next things that goals that you want to achieve in your business and life and in, in education and what are you hoping to further get out there well well i know at the end of the month i've been kind of a busy beaver during this lockdown and this year so i have another cooperative book coming out at the end of the month called inspirations yeah amazing and um, no inspirations is coming out after that this <laughs> one is messages of love so it's the love story of my husband and i how we met and like our journey and love trials it. and tribulations not all the details you don't that's not fun <laughs> you know thought just that whole idea of where do we learn about love and where do our messages come from? So I'm working now on the one called Inspirations. You're such, you're such an inspiration, geez. I, Sorry, well, thank you. Been inspired through my life. Mm. And, you know, continuing to write and develop courses and curriculum. Yeah. Yep. That's and what I, I love. I especially can appreciate your, your, your vast knowledge and experience and wisdom and that you're giving us all an opportunity to learn from your experiences and your learning. So thank you so much for, for sharing that with us through your books and your novels and being a, a published author. And this is my first experience doing that. And so I, I'm grateful to have all of yeah. you amazing and empowered and motivational women along my, along my side, the Sandy next <laughs> to me on and this you are, Yeah, you are our brave-hearted male. <laughs> That's so wonderful. So what was this journey like for you in a nutshell? Um, it's interesting that when you talk about, you know, these two books coming out, which probably for you are like, you know, a couple of months, two, three months. And this has been since this has been in the making since since last February when Monique initially approached me. And I through that, I've actually gone on my own journey of, of writing and going on another draft and and really exploring this conversation of what is a, a, a new paradigm what am i doing and who am i what have i done and so this entire you know eight months of just putting this book together and putting my chapter together and having all the connections and conversations connections i've made and the conversations i've had regarding this topic i almost don't want to leave it Mm -hmm. I don't, I almost don't want it to end because I've been able to enjoy these conversations and meet so many great people by having these conversations. But similarly to you, you know, the, okay, what's the next chapter, you know, yeah. or what's the next book? Maybe it's solely published by me. And so you've inspired me to kind of, you know, okay, what are, what's that next level of what, what, what's the next journey? What's around the corner for me? And for me right now, having been able to do what I've been able of love to do over the past 12 years, I want to now empower other teachers hmm. who are frustrated with the the, the, the status quo and sitting down in a, in a traditional classroom and say, you know, it, maybe there is a teacher in Arizona uh -huh. who said, I want to start my own on the spot language there. Hmm. I would I, love that for you. Right. And, and so, empowering other educators to say i really like this tried and tested methodology that's worked in toronto with anish's program hey anish can i learn how to do that 
in my city? Can you show yeah. me and coach me how to make my city my classroom? Right. And so that's because what you've created such an amazingly unique model. Mm. And it's it's really the same core values and principles, just you know, it's applied in a different environment, and that's all mm -hmm. it is. And then in the future, Beautiful. I can have Janet going to Taiwan or Japan and learning Mandarin or Japanese, but with a different cultural take on it. Yeah, nice. But applying the same core methodology, so excited about that and that's uh hopefully what i'll be uh bravo that's so needed so such an amazing contribution thank you and thanks for going on this, thank you. this journey with me so we'll yeah. wrap up right. there this is um a new paradigm of education with co-author janet verifying and me anastea and Thank you so much, Janet. Thank you. And that just came out today. Yay. That's it. Today, October 13th, 2021, my dad's birthday. Um, wow. And then Monique's technically tomorrow yes. in Australia. And that's it. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye.